0: Hello, action takers. This is the Live Blissed Out podcast, and I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping achieve bliss through awareness and action. Thanks for joining me. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. This is episode 18. Our topic is intuitive tarot, and my guest is Fran Gallagher with Really Flourish. Fran was an intuitive life coach and adjunct faculty for the program in intuition, the Kaiser Institute for eight years, and has spoken and presented for a variety of groups and businesses, including the Tennessee Hospital Association, Vizion Inc., formerly VHA, the Mayo Clinic, Banner Health. Innovative Connections, Inc., and other leaders in healthcare and finance. Fran works at the intersection of intuition, spirituality, and the practical, guiding her clients towards their more authentic selves. To learn more about Fran and her services, visit her website at reallyflourish.com.
1: Hello, Fran. Welcome to the show. Hi, Marissa. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's so great
0: to have you. I'm looking forward to talking to you about this uh, very unique subject called intuitive tarot, and I'd really like to learn more about exactly what it is.
1: We all have intuition. Intuition is the aha moment. Tarot is, in general, lots of different cards that provide guidance and a focus for intuition. Another way to say this is whether you're looking at palms for palm reading, tea leaves for tea leaf reading, or cards for card reading, you can use those things as a focus to focus your intuition or someone else can use it to focus their intuition to give you what is called a reading. In essence, it's a tool. There are different tools and this is one of them. That's exactly it.
0: Why would somebody be interested in having this type of reading?
1: The first idea is that we are all connected. There's a general notion out there that scientists are looking at the fact that somehow information, whether it's emotional information, relational kinds of information, these things pass between all of us. And some of us are more aware of that than others. Research also shows that the brain only allows us to really notice a small percentage of all the stimuli that is available to the brain. Uh, Let's say you drive to work and you don't remember everything that you saw. You can't because you can't hold and process that much information. Let's say you've gone through your day or several weeks whatever amount of time and you've gathered all kinds of stimuli that you haven't unpacked, you haven't figured out you can go to someone who is intuitive and the idea is that they can unpack the general notion of what's going on in your life. The other thing is that we are both conscious and unconscious beings. Let's say you're sitting somewhere and suddenly someone throws a football at you and you, Marissa, happen to be a college football player in the past. You might just reach out and grab the football player with, I mean, the football, you might grab the football player also. <laughs> yeah, you can mind. grab either one, that's right. <laughs> but you might reach out and grab the football with no conscious thought. Imagine all the things that are going on unconsciously and just as dreams are a language of the unconscious, tarot cards, they are the language of the unconscious. Some decks use abstract images, some use more concrete images, and everything in between. And these images represent a common story of Human experience. What we call that is archetypal language. An archetype is a common way that a human might show up in the world, a common situation for humans falling in love, becoming ill, getting rich, getting poor, good luck, bad luck, whatever it is. All those things are archetypal. And tarot cards can tell. An archetypal story to someone who is adept at using them. Now you can become adept at using them or you can go to someone who is presumably more adept at using them. And the question about predicting the future kind of bothers me because we are constantly predicting the future. If you're driving along the interstate, face it, you're driving way too close behind the person in front of you unless you want 47 cars to pull in front of you. You are predicting that that person is not going to suddenly slam on the brakes. You're predicting the future. If you see a 16-year-old downing a bottle of Jack Daniels and then getting in an automobile, it doesn't take a tarot reader or a psychic or a scientist to predict that there could be a problem. We are constantly assessing what I'm going to refer to as probabilities and possibilities. Right now, it is possible that hippopotamus could fall on you, Marissa. I'm so sorry. (laughs) However, it is not very probable. And the cards are going to indicate possibilities and probabilities. The best attitude I think about this is to have fun and be open. Now, you did mention people who are afraid of any kind of prediction. You know, the 16-year-old might be afraid of the prediction about what happens when you take a bottle of Jack Daniels and you mix that with driving. I really don't fully identify with that. I don't completely understand that. But I think if you're really afraid, then don't get a tarot reading. But if you can be open and have a little bit of fun, then go for it. To your point, you really explained it well.
0: It's probability and possibility. And I think the terminology, if we look at it from that perspective, just makes a lot more sense in the examples that you shared. And I think people are just anxious because sometimes there's bliss in Not knowing. (laughs) And I mean, that's the honest truth, right? I mean, a lot of us are like, do we want to know or do we not want to know? It's the question we always ask. Do I really want to know what might happen down the road with me or would I rather just go with the flow and see where it takes me? So it's not so much a right or wrong. I think it really just boils down to a person's comfort level. And I like what you said. It applies to your personal choice and whether or not you're comfortable with it. So I wanted to ask you the difference between intuitive tarot versus regular tarot i know that i've driven down the road many times and have seen signs that just say tarot reading and i personally have no idea what to expect outside of the fact that i know it's some sort of deck of cards and i don't know what's contained in it i don't know what to expect in the process is there a difference between intuitive tarot and regular tarot or are they one and the same They're
1: the same unless someone is a charlatan. And there are, of course, charlatans in every area. How do we choose
0: somebody that we know is going to give us an authentic reading?
1: I, like you and most people, are going to be a little skeptical driving down the road and seeing the sign for a tarot reader or a palm reader. But I have to say, the few times I have stopped, I have not been disappointed. You can just notice how you feel when you talk with them. I'm going to go the long way around the barn on this. The creator of Sherlock Holmes was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And he was part of a group of people who were exploring spiritual notions. And they were called the Theosophists, and they were studying various forms of spirituality. And so Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was the chair of the Theosophists. And one time I was in London, and I wanted to go to the Theosophical Society. And I walked in, and inside was a gigantic statue of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle sitting in a chair. And so I decided I was going to get a reading while I was there. My husband and I had recently moved to what had been my dream home. And this man told me he wasn't using cards. He was just using his intuition. But he told me all kinds of things. I thought he was wrong. I thought the whole thing was nuts. And I left. Well, he turned out to be right. He predicted that we would move in six months. He was right. We moved in six months. We weren't planning on it. I wished I had listened better to what he had said. So I just think that Some of the cards, they will market themselves as games. And I I don't love that, but I do like the idea that you can play with the notion. What if this person has something useful to say to you? Isn't that what you do normally
0: in your life? Right. Being open-minded and just listening to other people's point of
1: view. Exactly. So tarot cards come in all shapes, sizes, colors. What you might say is the classic deck is called the rider weight deck, R-I-D-E-R hyphen weight, W-A-I-T-E. I I never thought that I could learn the rider Weight deck. In fact, I hired a tutor and I went through this training and when all was said and done, I learned absolutely nothing. And so I thought I was just unteachable when it came to tarot. And then down the road, I met a woman. I wanted to rent office space from her. She said, the only way you can rent office space is if you pay me a tutoring fee and you learn how to read the Rider Waite deck. And okay, I paid her a fee. And do you know that in two brief sessions, she taught me how to read the Rider Waite deck. And she started by telling me, take look one time at the little book that comes with it and then never consult that again. She taught me meanings. I've studied tarot since then. I use some of the meanings she taught me. I've updated many of them. And it is a language of the unconscious. And we can play with what you and I can come up with about what's going on in your life. Are there major
0: suits that we should know about? Like what comprises the tarot cards?
1: The tarot is made up of two decks, and this is true of the Rider-Waite deck and many decks that model themselves after the Rider-Waite deck. Not all decks model themselves after the Rider-Waite deck and are not divided into two decks, but the Rider-Waite deck consists of the major arcana that describes what is called the Fool's Journey. So the very first card is the Fool. So Marissa, if I pulled the fool for you right now, the way that I read cards, I would put that in the past position. The fool card means that someone either needs to start a journey or they are starting a journey or they have already started a journey. If I pulled that for you right now and it was the first card, it would mean you have already started your journey. You've already stepped off the cliff. You've already started podcasting. Then the story, the next card is the magician. The fool meets the magician, and as that woman taught me so many years ago, the magician gives the tools for the fool to understand the journey, and so on. Each card is a stage on a journey until the very last card is called the world, and that just means that the fool completes that particular journey and inherits the world as a result of taking that risk. And there's all kinds of things in between. The kind of people you might meet on the way, a period of waiting that is represented by the hanged man. Death, and death means change. If you've ever studied dream interpretation, death means change. The ego in the mind cannot distinguish between real death and the death that comes when we drop one aspect of ourselves and allow ourselves to embrace a new aspect. That's death. So uh, the second deck in the Rider Weight deck is called the Minor Arcana, and it is made of four suits, and it's very similar to our playing cards. And again, it's either predated by playing cards or is the precursor for playing cards. And the cards go from ace To King with the addition of the page. There's Jack, Queen, King. And in tarot, there's Knight, Queen, King. And the pages are all about innocence and naivete. It might be a warning that someone is being too innocent. Or if I pulled it for you, Marissa, I would say that you are just being really open minded. You are approaching podcasting as an adventure, as uh, gee, let's see, what can I learn? How will this go? If I
0: ask a question, do you go through both decks of cards and go through this entire process for just that one question? Or does that encompass every question together? Are they handled individually?
1: Believe it or not, I started out my whole journey as an intuitive, as a skeptic. I didn't believe in any of this. And I feel that I was kind of forced by my own life to embrace the spiritual, embrace my own intuition, and embrace these different tools for accessing the intuition. I've had many teachers, one of my mentors, she told me, there is no card that does not come without guidance. And what that means is I shuffle the cards and I think about the person I'm with. So if I were with you, Marissa, I would knock on the deck to knock the previous person out of the deck who I may have read for, whether it was me or someone else. And then I'd be thinking of you while I shuffled the cards. Now, I don't generally start with you asking me questions. I start pulling cards. I do a really simple spread. I don't do the Celtic cross. I don't do any of the fancy spreads that some people use. I lay the first card down, and it's in the past position. The next card is the present, and it tells a story from there. Each of the cards provides context for the card next to it, and as my one teacher said, each card comes with intuitive guidance that appears in my head. Now, at some point, I'm going to ask you questions, maybe from the very first card, and we're going to have a conversation. If we play with the cards, it tells a story. If I get lots and lots of good cards for you, I'm going to say, well, I think we might want to stop right here. Do you have any questions? And the person says, well, you know, I've never, I forgot to ask you this at the beginning, but we're thinking of, you know, adopting a baby slash dog slash boat. What do you think? I might pull a card for that. We might play around with a few questions or the person might sit back and have a pretty awestruck look on their face and feel like, no, I think I'm pretty full. <laughs> so you're saying that you basically guide the reading? I do. And, you know, their questions are going to factor into it. But from the very first moment that I'm shuffling the cards, I'm actually getting information for the person. I do eye contact in real life. But when I'm reading, and that's the word you use for intuitively accessing information for someone, I look off into space. Sometimes people will look to try to see what I'm looking at, and it's just nothing. It's because I'm getting an inner vision for that person. We all have this ability. It's just that I've learned how to access it, I do so regularly, I know how to deal with my doubts you know, I'm going to have doubts. Just the other day, a friend said she was having trouble at work and she was having problems with this one particular guy and she named him. And I said, well, he's looking for another job. And as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, Fran, you should have thought about that for a moment. And she said, he is, he is looking for another job. And then I got, he's going to get a job. It could be as soon as next week, which is exactly what happened. But that kind of conversation, that flow between I get a piece of information, I share it with you, you confirm or deny that, and we go forward back and forth. To me, that's the most fun. It's the most productive. Nobody's putting on the brakes saying, I don't believe
0: you. What is the length of a typical reading? I'm sure it varies because, of course, you're dealing with different individuals, but Generally speaking, are you looking at a half hour session?
1: Is it an hour? 20 minutes to 30 minutes can be very useful. Now, it depends. The reason I became a coach, one of the reasons, was because I don't want to tell you some bad result and leave it at that. I want to explain. So, It depends on how much instruction you want, or if a person has done a certain amount of personal development and they pretty much understand cause and effect, then I can give you a reading in a shorter period of time. Does that make sense? Yes, I understand
0: what you're saying. And it really clarifies it because again, a lot of times we don't know where to go and we decide we want to do this and then we go there and we have no idea what to expect and that's why I'm really thrilled to be able to talk to you about it because I get a better understanding of what this thing feels like for somebody to do
1: yeah and i personally want it to feel fun i want it to feel authentic and be relevant for someone and that's what i strive for
0: Yes. And therefore, Fran, how often do people typically do this? Is this a once a year thing that people seek out just to prepare for the new year? Is there a common theme where everybody likes to do it in January because they want to know what's going to happen the rest of the year or what to plan for? How often do you recommend people have this reading done?
1: Well, that's a little bit hard to answer because my primary work is not with tarot. So if I work with somebody at a deeper level, I'm working with those unconscious desires with what's really going on because I want to assist people in living their fullest life. So some of those people, they might see me once a week, but I could not give them a card reading once a week. We'd both be more than likely bored. I would just say that you might get a feeling that you want to play and you want to learn and you want to experience the tarot. If you get yourself a deck, you might do what I do, which is started out with Doreen Virtue has come up with some Saints and Angels cards, which was a lot easier for me to deal with based on my Catholic upbringing. Not saying anything bad about those cards, but I was able finally to learn, as I said, the Rider Waite deck, which is a lot more complicated. There are several decks where the meaning of the card is printed on the front of the card. I use those for years. I like that a lot. I'm pretty literal. (laughs) Yeah, You know, I used to play with the cards all the time. You know, at least once a week, I played with cards by myself with my own deck. Over time, I don't do it as much. I love to teach other people. I think it's a wonderful tool for us to discover what's going on with us, with ourselves. You know, some people like to just every couple months they get a reading. It varies greatly. I wait until I feel pretty strongly that I need to get a reading because to be frank, there's not that many people at this point I feel drawn to. At one time, I did it more frequently. It's a personal preference. You
0: decide how you're feeling at that moment in time and whether or not you want to have it, and then you can just have it at that point. And that could be as often as however you want it to be, really, right? Right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my rule of thumb is if I'm close to hysterical, I'm not going to read cards for myself and I'm probably not going to go to a card reader because my emotional level is too high and I'm going to muddy the waters. That's a good dip, actually. Yes. If you're really, really upset, it's a lot of weight to put on something like a card reading.
0: I was just going to ask you if you had a dip. People who were interested and know nothing about it and are curious, want to know what to expect. They don't know when to do it, how often to do it, what happens when you're there. And this conversation cleared that up for all of us so that if there is somebody out there who's on the fence going, you know, I really wanted to try and do this tarot reading. What's this about? Should I pursue it? Well, at least now they'll have all the knowledge that they need to make that decision for themselves.
1: And, you know, what I would suggest, go to a bookstore or go online and look around and see if there is a deck where the images or the ideas appeal to you. Then play with that, order that deck, buy that deck and play with it. And I would suggest that you do both. See a competent reader, someone who you feel comfortable with, who you feel like you could hand over a little bit of your own personal authority to them to tell you what's going on in your life. And then also take some time to play with a deck so you start getting a feel for what is really quite magical. It's like dream interpretation. I'm not going to go to somebody who has it in for me to interpret a dream. (laughs) I don't really need whatever message they might have for me. To be able to just know that you're walking into the land of what is mysterious and unconscious. And do it. Why not? What is going on in our world? What we see is only a portion of what's really going on. A lot of us don't have a connection with that.
0: We don't know what that's like. And so having the experience to see what that feels like and how that impacts you, if there's somebody out there who's going, yeah, that's something I've always been interested in. Why not? Just imagine
1: that there is a world taking place below your ability to perceive it. And there are people who can help you perceive it. Oh my goodness,
0: friend! This was so much fun. I really enjoyed learning about something that is completely different for most of us, right? I'm sure there's going to be listeners out there who are familiar with it and actually use it, but there are a lot of us like me who came from it from a place of not knowing. And I really just enjoy the conversation, learning about what to expect and what this does. So thank you so much for being my guest today, Fran. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Marissa. I so appreciate it. Same here. What's your best practice for developing your intuition? Send us a tweet at LBO podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Fran Gallagher for being my guest. If you find value in our show, please visit LiveblistOut.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now, and remember to keep moving forward.